Hello and welcome to another edition of St. Pete's on Repeat, the online sermon archive of St. Peter Lutheran Church in St. Albert, Alberta, Canada. The sermon was preached on October 2nd, 2022, as the start of a new worship series entitled, Lord, Increase Our Faith. This week's service focus is on faith that delights in duty. Our sermon text for this Sunday is 1 Chronicles chapter 29, selected verses. Then King David said to the whole assembly, My son Solomon, the one whom God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. The task is great, because this palatial structure is not for man, but for the Lord God. With all my resources, I have provided for the temple of my God, gold for the gold work, silver for the silver, bronze for the bronze, iron for the iron, and wood for the wood, as well as onyx for the settings, turquoise, stones of various colors, and all kinds of fine stone and marble, all of these in large quantities. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor, for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are foreigners and strangers in your sight, as were all our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly and with honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. Lord, the God of our fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep these desires and thoughts in the hearts of your people forever, and keep their hearts loyal to you. The word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, what is the most beautiful church you have ever seen? Now, I may be partial, but I've loved all the churches I've served. I think they're each beautiful in their own way. My phone recently reminded me of some memories of our trip to Germany a couple of years ago. There were some amazing churches over there. My sister-in-law was recently in Spain, and she shared some photos of the Sagrada Familia, which she thought was the most beautiful church she'd ever seen, and based on the photos, I don't think I could doubt her. Some of the most beautiful buildings in the history of the world have been churches. And even though many of the magnificent cathedrals in Europe are empty shells of what they used to be, even though they may have been built so that the pastor or the prince might make a name for himself, they still stand all these many centuries later as 
monuments to the glory of God. And what may be even more amazing is that as beautiful as these buildings are, they're only a pale reflection of the splendor of God. There was one church, though, that would have put all these others to shame. We read a little bit about it in our first reading this morning from 1 Chronicles chapter 29. David wanted to build a temple to the Lord. He even gathered all the materials to do it. Gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, onyx, turquoise, stones of various color, all kinds of fine stone and marble, and all of these in large quantities. David wanted to build a temple to the Lord. It was a good and godly desire from a good and godly man. David was the most moral, God-pleasing king that Israel ever had. David was known as a man after God's own heart. But when David asked for God's blessing on his temple project, God said no. The way David explained it to the officials of Israel was that because David's reign was spent conquering Canaan, God didn't want his temple to be associated with war, but with peace. And, and that would make perfect sense. God is not a God of war. He's a God of justice, but also of grace and mercy. It would make sense that God wouldn't want his temple to be associated with war. But David wasn't telling the whole story. You can tell even from today's text that there was something else that troubled David. He asked, Who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? David knew who he was. He may have been the best, most moral king that Israel ever had, but that really wasn't saying very much. He may have been a man after God's own heart, but he was far from a saint. He had had a salacious affair with the wife of one of his best soldiers and subsequently had him killed to cover it up. He had been a bad dad and looked the other way as his children ran amok, not only making a mockery of his family, but leading open rebellion and inciting a civil war. The same man who, as a youth, slayed the giant with nothing but a sling and a stone, succumbed to fear later on in life and trusted more in the number of troops in his army than in the strength of his God. And as a direct result of his distrust, he caused the death of 70,000 men in Israel. When David asks, who am I, he means it. He, he knew all too well all the many reasons he was unworthy to do anything for God, let alone be the one to build a glorious temple to his name. Do you ever feel that way? Who am I? Who, who am I to serve on council, to be a Sunday school teacher, to talk about Jesus to a classmate or co-worker? Who am I? I'm a, I'm a screw-up. I'm a failure. I'm not a role model. I don't have it all figured out. I can barely play two chords on my mandolin. What makes me think I can accompany worship? I'm already stretched thin. What do I have to offer? If these people knew my past, they wouldn't let me pump gas for them, let alone listen to me talk about grace and forgiveness. 
What could I possibly contribute that God needs? Honestly, nothing. It reminds me of a story that I've told you before about a platypus. When I was about five or six years old, I wanted to get a Christmas present for my Uncle Ted. He was goofy and good with kids. He was always kind and generous, so I wanted to be generous back. Problem was, I was five or six years old. I didn't have any money to get him anything. You know what I did? I asked Uncle Ted to loan me some. Then I went to the store and, and saw something that I liked and assumed he would like it too. I mean, who wouldn't want a stuffed platypus for Christmas? Then when we got back to Grandma's house, I needed to figure out how to wrap the thing. I was five or six years old. I didn't know how to wrap anything, let alone a stuffed platypus. You know what I did? I asked Uncle Ted to help me. The poor man. Not only did he end up buying and wrapping his own Christmas present, but it wasn't even something he ever asked for or wanted. Uncle Ted died about ten years after that. He was technically my great-uncle, my mother's uncle. So when it came to dividing up his estate, I was pretty much at the bottom of the list. But do you know what he still had? All those ten years later... This silly, stuffed platypus that he never asked for or wanted, but that he clearly delighted in and cherished enough to hold on to for a decade, even until he died. You don't have anything that God needs. You can't offer him anything that he doesn't already have. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't delight in your service to him. God delights in anything you do for him. God didn't ask David to build him a temple. God didn't even want David to build him a temple. But that didn't stop David from wanting to serve his God. David knew who he was. He knew he wasn't worthy of God. He, he knew he was a sinner. But he also knew what God had done for a sinner like him. Verses 10 to 13 of our text today have no fewer than 15 reasons why David was happy to serve his God. I, I want you to listen to those verses again and see how many you can spot. David says, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. God had been good to David. God had blessed him as the king of Israel with victory and wealth and honor and glory. God had made the nation strong even when David was weak. And that would have been enough to earn David's unending thanks and praise. David was a wealthy, healthy, happy man, and he owed it all to God. But David's praise was much more personal than that. Who am I, he asked. 
He knew all too well the sins that separated him from his God. That's why of all the ways he could have shown his thanks and praise, he chose the temple. It was the temple that served as the place for sacrifice. It was the temple that stood as the testament to God's grace and mercy. It was the temple that pointed ahead to Jesus. All the animals that were sacrificed on the altar that David's son Solomon would eventually build were nothing more than allusions to the sacrifice that God would ultimately make on a hill not too far away. All the blood that was shed in those temple courts was just a symbol of the blood that Jesus shed for you and me to purify us from all our sins. The same blood he gives us in the sacrament today to give us the assurance that he has taken our guilt away. And we may still say, who am I or what could I possibly give to God? But to Jesus, the answer is not nobody or nothing. You are Jesus' own sister or brother. You are someone he died to save. You are someone he loved enough to give his life for. Anything you give him will be precious in his sight, even if it's something as silly as a stuffed platypus or a few weeds pulled or leaves raked, an hour spent watching the little ones so their parents can go to Bible class or choir practice, serving on a board or a committee or going on a mission, mission trip and building a church. Your service to God doesn't have to match David's piles of precious metals and stones. But your service to God can equal or even exceed his thankfulness and praise because of all the good that God has done for you. Whether that's material wealth, physical health, professional success, personal happiness, or none of the above. Even if you have none of those things, you still have a God who gave his son for a sinner like you. So that when you ask, who am I? It's not with a sense of guilt or gloom but with a spirit of thankfulness and joy. Who are you? You are someone God loves. You're someone God has saved. You're someone God has blessed. You are someone qualified and motivated to serve. And so I pray with David, Lord, keep these desires and thoughts in the hearts of your people forever and keep their hearts loyal to you. Amen.